royalty, history, musicals. musicals. Hear us nerd out over our three favorite things on this episode of The, the Twins, Twins on Tour Podcast. Podcast. Hi, I'm Julie Book. I'm Jenny Book Bradley. And this is The Twins on Tour Podcast. We are not saying it at the same time this week because we did really bad at it last episode. Yes. <laughs> Today we're going to be covering the touring production of Anastasia, which we saw on Wednesday, December 1st at EJ Thomas Hall in Akron, Ohio. So this episode of the podcast is going to be a little information heavy <laughs> not to make that sound like a bad thing this musical is based on a whole lot of stuff the first being if you are any type of millennial 90s kid or were raised by one or knew one you probably know that there is a movie from 1997 called anastasia it came from fox american studios distributed by 20th century fox r.i.p yep <laughs> It starred Meg Ryan, John Cusack, Kelsey Grammer, Hank Azaria, Christopher Lloyd, Bernadette Peters, Kirsten Dunst, and Angela Lansbury. Mrs. Murder She Wrote herself. Murder She Wrote, and I was going to say Mrs. Potts, which I think tells you all you need to know about Jen and I, is she <laughs> immediately went to murder, and I went to Beauty and the Beast. My husband a martyr in Savannah. Oh no, now we're going to get copyright infringement. It follows an 18-year-old amnesiac who hopes to find some trace of her deceased family and sides with two con men who want to take advantage of her likeness to the Grand Duchess Anastasia, mm -hmm. similar to what you'll see in the musical. It actually was based on a 1954 play of the same name so not even just this stage musical being the only stage version of Anastasia it is based on a 1954 play as well it premiered in New York City on November 14th 1997 it was made with a 50 million dollar budget and grossed over 139 million dollars worldwide mm -hmm. so it was pretty successful it was nominated for two Academy Awards in 1997 best original song journey to the past which as Jenny and I both agree is still one of the best songs from Anastasia yes, it's the showstopper and it was also nominated for Best Original Musical or Comedy Score at the 70th Annual Academy Awards. It did not win either. I can't believe there's something that beat Journey to the Past. What do you, what won that year? So it was um, Titanic's My Heart Will Go On. Oh, 97. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. For some okay. reason, I always think it's 1998 as well okay. that Titanic well, was. I can completely justify. I'm so sorry, Celine. I can justify that you beat Anastasia because. We love you, Celine. <laughs> Don't come for us, Celine. Yeah, so. For anyone who's seen the movie or seen the show or seen this 1954 play, which if you have, please let us know because I want to know all about it because I didn't know one existed. It's based off a real person and to tell us all about that person, we're going to throw it over to the resident Romanov expert here. I'm not kidding. She knows a ton about Russian okay. history. Jenny Book Bradley. Russian history when there's crowns and ball gowns involved, of yes. course. But yes, yeah, so the Romanov family ruled Russia for three centuries. Some notable Romanov rulers were like Catherine the Great, who is on that Hulu show, The Great. Although that show is very loosely based in history. Mm -hmm. There's still some great costumes and stuff. But yeah, Catherine the Great was a real person. She was a Romanov. So the Romanov family that we're going to focus on, who are the Romanovs they talk about in the musical, is the family of Tsar Nicholas II. He took over for the throne rather young. He was in his early 20s. His father died very suddenly. So he was kind of thrown into it. He was described as a very gentle person. Not really a great disposition to be a hardened ruler of, you know, Russia. one of the biggest kingdoms in the world, yeah. including, you know, Siberia. The one who wore the pants in the family was definitely his wife, Tsarina Alexandra of Hesse. She was actually the granddaughter of Queen Victoria of England. Queen Victoria is also Queen Elizabeth's 
great grandmother or grandmother? Gr- I think it's great great grandmother. Okay. So the current Queen of England is a direct descendant of Queen Victoria, so she's related to the Romanov. So that family consisted of five children. There were the Grand Duchesses Olga, Tatiana, Maria, Anastasia, and then the only boy Alexei, who was the Tsarevich. He was the one who was going to inherit the throne. Okay, because women couldn't inherit the throne in so Russia. So women could. That's how Catherine the Great became queen. It's called like I think it's the Pauline Laws. I'm probably butchering that. That's kind of how it's spelled with like English letters. So if he had no sons, a daughter would inherit. But they were kind of encouraged to try and try until they couldn't try anymore. Okay. So they were always encouraged to have sons. The laws favored male heirs. But okay. if he would have not had not had a son, then Olga would have ended up being the Tsarina. Okay, so very similar to, I'm just trying to make connections for people who don't follow Russian law. Similar to how the British monarchy was mm-hmm. until Will and Catherine's kids. Yes, exactly. So if Prince George would have been a girl, she would have inherited after. Before a male. After Prince William. Yep. So I'm kind of kind of jump around a little bit because if I... I tell everything about the Romanov family we're going to talk about. We're probably going to sit here for two hours. And I'm sure all of you listening for the review of the musical Anastasia appreciate that we're not going to do a two-hour Russian history lesson before the musical. Me. So we're going to jump to March 22nd, 1917, and that's the date that Tsar Nicholas II abdicated the throne, ending the three centuries of Romanov rule in Russia. Things were brewing for a long time. The people were very upset that everyone was getting poorer and the nobility was getting richer, it seems. So pretty similar to like how when Marie Antoinette and King Louis were overthrown. Very similar to kind of that, except there was no let them eat cake and people weren't beheaded in the streets and stuff like that. I really was about to ask, but was there cake? There probably was. Okay. I'm sure there was. They just bring him a cake that says, no, you're no longer in charge. Yes. Happy abdication. <laughs> Basically, they were overthrown by the Bolsheviks or the communists. So that's kind of where the communist rule in Russia started in 1917 after Tsar Nicholas stepped down. So on that date also, the family was immediately placed on house arrest at one of their palaces. They got to keep most of their staff. Overall, they were still living pretty comfortably, but they, you know, were under constant guard because they didn't want someone to come break them out and put them back in power. They stayed on house arrest at one of the palaces until August of 1917, where after they kind of failed to exile them to England, which is a whole other story in itself that we could probably talk about another time. It was a failed attempt to take them to England. The family was moved to Siberia, still living in comfort, but they were still political prisoners. In October of 1917, the Bolsheviks were fully in power in Russia and the Romanovs were placed on soldiers' rations. Most of their staff were dismissed except for a few key members who refused to leave the imperial family side. Their guards who were kind to them were replaced with hardline Bolsheviks who were very cruel to the family, particularly the four young grand duchesses. In May of 1918, they were moved to the Impatiev house, which was nicknamed the House of Special Purpose, which when I get to what's going to happen in July of 1918, you're going to learn what the special purpose was. It was to murder the Romanovs. So their belongings were always searched, their money was taken by the Bolsheviks, and all of their windows were actually either painted shut or covered in newspapers and whitewashed. There was one window the Imperial family could look out of, and when Tsarina Alexandra had to look out of it, they actually shot at her one time. Yeah. Just for looking out the Just window? Just for looking out the window, because they were afraid that if somebody saw her, she would send a signal and the white army who supported the imperial family was going to come and break them out of the Impatiev house. Oh my goodness. So July 17th, 1918... Citing concerns that the Romanovs would be freed by their enemy forces, the Russian government ordered the execution of the Romanov family. They were taken into a cellar with their servants that stayed behind. They were shot and bayoneted until they were dead. One of the more cruel things that happened, when they were moving from house to house, the Tsarina had all the girls sew jewels into their corsets. Mm -hmm. 
which basically when they took them down and shot them, they acted as bulletproof vests. But unfortunately that meant when they were shooting at them, they did not die immediately. Oh. Yeah. So they were, you know, the last to die because they basically had bulletproof vests on. Is that part of where this legend of Anastasia came from? Because it became known that the girls had these quote-unquote bulletproof vests on that they said that's why one survived because she wasn't killed? Mm -hmm. Anastasia was rumored to be her grandmother, the Dowager Empress's favorite. She Mm -hmm. was precarious. She was kind of a brat, people would say, depending on who you would have asked who worked in the palace. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, yes, that's where the legend comes from. Another thing to point out as well is when they dispose of the imperial family's bodies they actually split them up so not all of the bodies were found together so that's kind of where the legend comes from as well because they only found three of the four duchesses and they they didn't find alexei either so they were theorizing that oh the two youngest got away because Mm -hmm. maybe they felt bad for him or because he was still relatively young he was was killed however he was a hemophiliac meaning that if he got any bruises cuts his blood had a hard time clotting. Oh. So people were saying maybe they killed him and he died and Anastasia was able to escape. Is it true when we talk about the musical in a bit here, there's all these people lining up to the former duchess in Paris saying, I'm Anastasia, pay exactly. for me to come. So were there any super famous imposters that came from this that maybe was similar to the movie or the musical? So probably the best known imposter of Anastasia was a woman by the name of Anna Anderson. She surfaced between 1920 or 1922. The details are a little fuzzy mm-hmm. on when it actually happened. So until the day that she died, she contended that she was the Grand Duchess Anastasia. Her story was that when her family was murdered, she f- played dead and a guard took compassion on her, noticed that she was still breathing and was able to smuggle her out. And that's why all the bodies weren't found together because the guard helped her escape. She had a legal battle actually that lasted from 1938 to 1970. It was the longest running case ever heard by a German court. The final decision of the court said that Anderson had not sufficiently proved that she was the Grand Duchess Anastasia. She died in 1984. Her body was cremated. However, they were able to get a tissue sample and they actually took blood from Prince Philip, the Duke of Edinburgh, the husband of Queen Elizabeth II, who was actually a great nephew of the Empress Alexandra of Hesse. So they compared their DNA, concluded no, she had no relation at all to the Romanovs. They found out that she was a German woman who kind of wanted to cash in on the lie as well. Yeah, but because she, if she was proven to be Anastasia, if the courts agree with her, she would have inherited a huge the fortune. Romanov fortune, Yeah, right? she would have been named the head of the Romanov family. She would have inherited a huge fortune. Titles that don't really mean anything in Russia anymore, but she would have garnered a bunch of wealth and respect. Yeah, because there's still a royal family in Russia, correct? I believe a couple weeks ago it made headlines in the news the first royal wedding in Russia mm-hmm. in like a century happened or something. Yeah, and actually the man who got married is a Romanov and he's fighting with another branch of the Romanovs to who is the head of the house of Romanov. And that's why he married a noble woman from Italy. So he's, you know, he's kind of bolstering his claim saying, I have nobility from Italy. I am the head of the family. I'm a young, younger man. Yeah. Stay tuned on that. If you're interested in Russian royalty, that's kind of something to get into perhaps and keep an eye on that story. And when you hear all of this drama and intrigue, you think, wow, this could be a musical, which is my perfect little segue to talk about the history of the musical version of Anastasia. 
It features music and lyrics by Lynn Aherns and Stephen Flattery, who you'll know they've done a ton of stuff, especially in modern musical theater, Ragtime, Seussical, and Once on This Island, the revival won Best Revival of a Musical three years ago. Yes, and I heard it was phenomenal. So I'm, I'm kind of hoping they tour that production that was revived. Oh, I, kind, I, I would love that. to see that. And the book was by the Broadway titan Terrence McNally, Masterclass, Kiss of the Spider Woman, and he worked with Aherns and Flattery on Ragtime as well. <laughs> Huge Broadway team doing this show. The first reading was held in 2012 featuring Kelly Barrett as Anya, Aaron Teve, Broadway's heartthrob. Yes. <laughs> winner of Moulin Rouge the musical for best actor where he competed against absolutely no one. He competed against himself for that Tony and deservedly so. <laughs> yes he was Dimitri in this first reading. Patrick Page who a lot of people know as Hades in Town, mm-hmm. was the first Vladimir and Angela Lansbury reprised her role from the movie as oh, Empress wow. Maria. I really wish she would have stayed on with this because could you imagine her and Christy Altamere who ultimately played Anya? Oh my gosh that would have oh been amazing. Gosh. Later on Ramin Karamalu who a lot of you might know from the 25th anniversary Phantom of the Opera filmed stage production, Mm -hmm. joined the production as a new character named Gleb during the workshop in June 2015. So this was a pretty drawn out process to bring Anastasia to the stage. The original production of Anastasia premiered at the Hartford stage in Hartford, Connecticut for previews on May 13th, 2016. The show was directed by Darko Treznak and choreography by Peggy Hickey. It starred Christy Altamere, who, like we said, is a very popular Broadway actress, Mm -hmm. big following. She was in the first national tour of Spring Awakening. She was in Carrie the Musical and made her Broadway debut in Mamma Mia. Mm -hmm. And she was Anya and Derek Klenna, who a lot of people probably know was in Jagged Little Pill recently. He was in the Wicked 10th Anniversary cast and Dogfight the Musical. He was Dimitri and John Bolton was on as Vlad. The stage musical only kept six songs from the animated movie, also taking out all of the supernatural elements of the film. So there's no Rasputin and there's no little bat bar talk. I know that's cursor. That's my favorite. And the ooh, and the ah, and, and the, the ooh, ah, 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 and the Nike cursor. <laughs> Unfortunately, none of that is in the musical, which hurts my millennial heart, but we digress. So the song Dark of the Night by Rasputin and Bartok obviously did not make the cut here. The new villain is who Karamalu ultimately played named Gleb. He's a general for the Bolsheviks and he tries to find Anya in Paris and kill her because the Bolsheviks actually believe she could be the Grand Duchess. Mm-hmm. The musical opened for previews on Broadway at the Broadhurst Theater on March 23rd, 2017, and officially opened in April of that year, and it featured almost all of the original Hartford principal cast. It was met with mixed reviews by critics, some citing that it ran for, like, the runtime of the show Mm -hmm. was a little bit too long, which we'll talk about in a little bit, because I kind of agree with that. It closed on March 31st, 2019, and since then, it has gone all over the world. There's productions in Spain, Germany, the Netherlands, Mexico, Japan, and the current U.S. tour that is running. So after all of that information, (laughs) it is time to get to the part that you guys are listening for, our review of Anastasia the Musical. Just a little disclaimer, this is not the first time we've seen Mm -hmm. this show. We actually saw it right before everything shut down in March of 2020. Yeah. So it's kind of a cool little full circle moment of seeing this show again. Um, We did have almost a full cast, which for the Akron shows is a little bit more rare. Mm -hmm. We usually have understudies on for lead parts, Mm -hmm. this or that, but we had almost a full cast except for one cast member. So William Aaron Bishop actually debuted in the role of Gleb. He was phenomenal. He was 
awesome. He played it so well. He has this beautiful, almost operatic voice yeah. that I I couldn't even tell. If he was nervous, we couldn't tell. Yeah, his voice sounded very similar to Ramin Karamalu's, mm-hmm. which I enjoyed because yeah. I think anyone with ears enjoys Ramin Karamalu's voice. Yes, I agree 100%. And the cast was led by Kyla Stone, who played the role of Anya. And she was amazing. Oh my gosh. If you have the opportunity to see her play Anya, do it. Christy Altimer is very famous for playing the role. I also think that Kyla Stone will kind of maybe go down as someone who just embodied the light that this role Mm -hmm. brings. Like, her voice was clear. You could hear everything that she said. She just had a beautiful voice. One of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard. And nothing against Lila Coogan, who played Anya on the first national Mm -hmm. tour, but Kyla just ran away with it. I think Kyla overall was a better fit for the role, and she was amazing. Yeah, and we had parts when Lila was singing that it was hard to understand her sometimes. Mm -hmm. She also has a beautiful voice, but Kyla just fits this role better. I think she does too. So going off of what we were saying earlier and what some of the critics said when Anastasia opened on Broadway originally, that the runtime is a little bit long, I kind of agree. Yeah, I can agree too. I want to disclaim over this. I love this show. This is my favorite show we've seen so far this season. Same here. But... I absolutely love this show. I think they took all of the great parts besides no bar talk the bat of the movie <laughs> and put it into the show. I agree with you completely. I think when you have the formula for a good Broadway show, you want good music, good actors, good musicians, great costumes, great sets. And I think Anastasia checks all of those boxes. But I can agree the criticism of the runtime being long is very valid. Yeah. I think one of the main parts that not saying they should cut anything, things that might not have been able to make it to Broadway. I think one of the things is Dimitri gets two pretty long numbers. Mm -hmm. One where he's telling Anya in the first act about his life, My Petersburg, which is a beautiful number. Not 100% necessary to the show, though. No, I think Dimitri's other number in the second act, In a Crowd of Thousands, which, spoiler alert, is the song where at the end, Anya actually remembers that she is the Grand Duchess mm-hmm. Anastasia. I think that number is more important, and I think overall it's a better number. For Dimitri as well, I yeah. think it showcases his voice and his acting ability too. more. My Petersburg, I think you could go straight from the Neva Flows right into Once Upon a December mm-hmm. without any hiccups there. Yeah, I agree. You could have a little scene maybe with Dimitri talking about it, but you don't need the whole, I mean, that's a pretty lengthy song. Yeah, and it's one thing about shows that are based on a real person or real events. You have to at least get some of the history correct and right. And mm-hmm. that's one thing I think that Anastasia, it does well, but also they try to fit so much in that it makes the runtime a little long. Mm-hmm. And I can agree. It, it was probably the latest we've been at the theater in a long time. Yeah. We also had this weird thing happen where curtain was held for 15 minutes. Yeah. And usually they'll say like, oh, curtain's being held due to the crowds coming in or because of traffic. They didn't tell us why curtain was held for 15 mm-hmm. minutes. From what we know, it wasn't because someone had to go on because they didn't make the announcement of so-and-so will be played by so-and-so. But there wasn't any last minute changes that at least they made the audience aware of. So we were kind of confused as to why it was a 15 minute hold, which also on top of a longer runtime, we didn't leave the theater till about 1040. Yeah. Which, I mean, on a Wednesday night for me, being a teacher was like 3 (laughs) a.m. But I mean, it was well worth it for Anastasia. They start off with a really, really cool prologue. It has Once Upon a December in it. Mm -hmm. Little Anya is talking to her grandmother who's leaving for Paris. Neither of them know it's the last time they're going to see each other. 
and they do this whole big dance where little Anya runs behind, teenage Anya runs out, and they do this whole big, it's not exactly a ballet, but it's a very choreographed, to it, yeah. musical, beautiful number where they show the downfall of the Romanovs. I really enjoyed that number. Also, one thing that I really enjoy about that number as well are the costumes. Oh my gosh. When the Tsarina walks on stage, her crown is probably two feet high. If not, it looks like it from where we're sitting in the balcony. She has this really long train and her entire being just sparkles. Yeah, like you cannot miss her on the stage because Mm -hmm. whatever movement she makes, it's like a good kind of blinding. Yeah, it's like one of those Instagram filters where it makes things look like it's sparkling, but it's just her outfit. It is beautiful. The costumes in this show are just phenomenal. Some of the most beautiful costumes I've ever seen. I don't understand how they didn't win a Tony for costumes. I do not understand that either. They do this really beautiful downfall of the Romanovs, goes right into the new Russia where you see the Bolsheviks have taken over, but pretty much everyone's miserable because they're like, you're all even now. A street sweeper makes the same as a guy pushing papers in an office, so you're all even. Yay, communism. So kind of the consensus is, is, oh, things are still the same. We overthrew the Romanovs thinking that, you know, maybe some of the wealth will get redistributed. You know, we were promised that we would all be equal and everything's kind of the same. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, that's where we meet our two con men, Dimitri and Vlad, who are the love interest and the comedic sidekick, comedic relief in this show. Because it could be very easy to make Anastasia a very sad show. Yes. I mean... You look at the downfall of her family, you look at what happened to them in real life, how they were brutally murdered, and it could be a very serious, lame is type show. A hundred percent. And I'm kind of glad they went the happy route instead. Yeah, they put in Dimitri and Vlad, who play off of each other so well, and their numbers are always great. Learn to do it. That's where they're teaching Anya once they find this girl. She has her big number, In My Dreams, where she talks about how she wants to find her family. Really big moment for her in the show because that's where they're like, okay, we can train this girl. Because she has amnesia. She can't remember anything about her childhood. Mm -hmm. So they pick this girl based off of that. They were holding auditions for someone to get them out of Russia because all the borders are closing. They're trying Mm -hmm. to get out of Russia before the borders close and they're stuck here. So they have this song, Learn to Do It. It has very big My Fair Lady vibes. It does. With, if you've seen My Fair Lady, Henry Higgins training Eliza Doolittle in Being a Lady. They're training her to be a Grand Duchess. It's a very fun, upbeat number, but it shows that comedic kick that You needed that part of the show Mm -hmm. because it'd be very easy to go communism, communism, death. All right, let's go. Yeah. (laughs) They don't do that, which I was really happy about. It kind of moves on into the other girls who were auditioning to be Anastasia. Mm -hmm. Tell on Anya and she gets dragged into Gleb's office because he's the general of the Bolsheviks in the area. Mm -hmm. So he sings a song called The Neva Flows where he talks about no matter what happens in Russia, the Neva will flow and time will continue on and I will be a proud Russian no matter what. And he discusses that his father was one of the guards that shot the Romanovs. Yeah. And he says, my father did a proud and noble thing. Even though his mother said that he died of shame instead. I agree more with mom there, but you yes. know, he's very proud of his father. He's proud of what he did. And he says, I would do the same thing if I was in his shoes, which spoiler alert, later in the show, he doesn't. Because once he meets Anya, falls in love with her. You can immediately. tell he's smitten with her immediately. So we move on from the Neva flows into my Petersburg, which like we said, is Dimitri telling Anya all about his life. Mm-hmm about how his father and mother were gone by the time he was young. He had to raise himself on the streets of St. Petersburg. He had to grow up quickly. And it really gives you an insight into how people in this time in Russia were living because it was a pretty miserable existence. Yeah. No offense to anyone from Russia, but 
it, it really was. So then it transitions into Once Upon a December where Anya kind of starts getting these glimmers and memories of what she thinks may have been her past life. She's remembering all of these ghosts mm -hmm. that are coming out. And then you see the ghosts are the Romanovs. Zarina comes out in her beautiful outfit. There's a bunch of like beautiful dancing. It looks like it's at a party at the palace almost. Mm -hmm. It very much ties into how the movie was where when she sings Once Upon a December in the movie, mm -hmm. she can see the ghosts in the ballroom. Mm -hmm. This isn't set in the palace in the musical. They're out on the streets of St. Petersburg. But you have the very ghostly, all the people come out in their outfits from the imperial court. Mm -hmm. They're all in white. I think that was made to play so that later they would yes. look ghostly. Beautiful number. The dancing was beautiful. And Kyla Stone's voice on this was just oh, yeah. out of the park. It kind of transitions there. Eventually, they find out the borders are closing immediately. Mm -hmm. And they don't have enough money to get out. So Anya decides, you know, she can trust Dimitri and Vlad. So she pulls out of her corset this giant diamond. Mm -hmm. And she says, this is the nurse when I was in the hospital with amnesia found this and said, keep it safe. This may come in handy for you one day. So and I mean, we're up in the balcony when we see this show and you can tell it's a giant fake diamond, but it has to be probably like golf ball size because we could see it and we all went, oh, yes. in the balcony. So basically she's like, okay, I trust you. If you can trust me. We can use this diamond and let's get out of Russia. Yeah. So they go to get their papers. We end in in the train station in St. Petersburg. They're leaving. And a number I really couldn't care less about the first time I saw this show became one of my absolute favorites. Mm -hmm. It's Stay I Pray You. Christian McQueen, he plays the czar at the beginning of the show. And he's playing Count Igor at this part of the show. Mm -hmm. He plays a couple different roles in the show. He was phenomenal this guy is gonna be a star superstar someday. i want to see him play jean valjean jean valjean or burr in hamilton yes style of his voice he sang the first part of the song it's acapella mm -hmm. and there was not a noise in the crowd everyone was so entranced by his voice and he, the emotion he showed because it's all these people who are leaving russia because it's not the russia they know anymore mm -hmm. and they're saying I need a second because this has been my home. This is my land. This has been my life. And I'm mm -hmm. going to get on a train and leave it. And I'm never going to come back. So it's very, if you are a musical theater fan, Anatevka from Fiddler yes. on the Roof. It has very Anatevka vibes, but it's not as orchestra heavy. Yes. And it's not as monotonous because, you know, Anatevka, they repeat the name Anatevka almost as like a ghostly chant mm -hmm. the entire time. Yeah. This one, it's a chorus that repeats itself a few times. There's new things added in and more and more people join the chorus of this song as it goes on. And it ends with the count and Anya on stage, the count kissing her hand because he can tell this is Anastasia. He recognizes her. He yeah. recognizes her. It was a beautiful number. Yes. And like I said, the first time I saw it on the first national tour, I was like, oh, that was that was good. Okay, a little long. The second time I was like, no, I want him to keep singing. It was yeah. phenomenal. I don't care if it added to the runtime. He could have sang for 30 more minutes and I'd be And fine. I would have been like, yes. It was amazing. Like we said, that guy's going to be a superstar really on Broadway is. someday. He really is. It then went into the traveling sequence where they're getting out of Russia. And if you've seen the original tour or if you saw it on Broadway or if you've seen it anywhere else around the world, they have this big train set. And it moves and it was really cool. And that was one thing that I thought was a little disappointing this show is that they don't have the train car anymore. Mm -hmm. They have a train projected up onto the screen because a lot of the set is computer generated in yes. this show, which 
I love. Some yeah. people don't like that trend. I like it. I think it provides more options for the scenery team. Especially when you're at a venue like EJ Thomas where they can't bring in a chandelier like in Phantom of the yeah. Opera. It's really good for those places. It can play any house mm-hmm. with that digital production. They've got the train car on the screen and you see it move and then it's just like a light on the stage that looks like a train car mm-hmm. and they move with it. I will say the actors did a great job. None of them, because it goes from like a vertical train car to horizontal, so you can see them doing different things in the mm-hmm. train car. None of the actors stepped out of the light once. No. Because when you're on a train car set, you can't step if out you're of moving, it. moving, yeah, you can't fall off of the train. <laughs> yeah. But none of them stepped outside the light. It was really good. While they're escaping, the Bolsheviks come on. They're looking for Count Igor, who is taken off and killed. Yes. And then they're like, oh no, we're also looking for these two dudes and this girl pretending she's Anastasia. And they're like, yeet, let's get off this. Yep. And they walk the rest of the way to France. Which we close Act 1 with Journey to the Past. Oscar-nominated song. You hear the piano music start and you're like, here it is! (laughs) Here we go! It's so good. And like we said, Kyla Stone, another one. She's She's going to be a superstar. Yeah. Her version of Journey to the Past rivals Christy Altamere's. I'm not going to say one or the other is better. I've never seen Christy sing it live. And also, I don't think it's fair to compare a cabaret style of her singing it to the actual show, because Mm -hmm. in that case, Kyla has a distinct advantage because she has the set, the costumes, the orchestra. Mm -hmm. Both do good, though. And it it is the perfect number to close the act on. Because the projections on the screen, you see her, she's hitting her big last note. I will not try to do that because I don't want you guys to all turn this off immediately. (laughs) And you see Paris, the Eiffel Tower, and it just drops on that really nice. Yeah. So you open act two, they're in Paris, they've got their fancy clothes, Paris holds the key to your heart, really big, nice, jazzy Mm -hmm. Broadway number. And then we get introduced to the Dowager Empress, who I have to say is a bit of a downer. Obviously, she's an old woman now. She's sick and tired of all of these imposters coming, getting her hopes up, and then she immediately says these girls are a bunch of frauds. I'm done. The song is called Close the Door. She's saying, close the door on all of this. I'm just going to die alone. Yeah, which, understandable, because I cannot imagine how many imposters would come for that. I mean, Mm -hmm. I'm pretty sure anyone would be tempted if someone's like, yes, you can inherit my vast fortune if you can prove you're my granddaughter to be like, eh, all right, hey, grandma. Yeah. I think anyone would give it a try if you needed the money. You also meet... Countess Lily here, who is another big comic relief. The girl who played her, Madeline Robe, is a little bit younger than you would see a Countess Lily, but she was hilarious. She really was. When you have her and Vlad's big number, the Countess and And the the Common common Man, man, their comedic timing and their chemistry was so perfect. They played off each other. Every little move one made, the other one had like the perfect response to Mm because they have little dance numbers and you know some of it's freestyle, but their chemistry is so on point. It was so good. And you find out that Vlad pretended to be a count Mm -hmm. back in Imperial Russia and he started an affair with Lily and that's how they know each other. So yeah. he's he's thinking that Countess Lily will be there in to get Anya introduced to the Dowager Empress. And at first she is very, very hesitant to it. She's like, well, I already know you're a con man. Last time I saw you, you were supposed to go to a firing squad Dimitri saved him from. Mm-hmm. And then she meets Anya. And she realizes, wow, this girl might actually be Anastasia. Mm-hmm. So you have this big ballet number. They're going to see Swan Lake at the Mm -hmm. Paris Ballet. And Anya walks in and she has this beautiful blue dress on. And everyone is like, who is this girl? Mm -hmm. 
and it opens into this very they do a swan lake number where they're also singing a number during swan lake the dowager empress can see anya from across the thing she goes could that be her no i'm not gonna let myself hope and anya's thinking about i'm so nervous will she accept me will she recognize me and dimitri singing about how at this point in the show he's fallen in love with anya Mm mm-hmm It's a bittersweet moment because he's about to get the reward he's been working for for years, getting a girl to get the reward for being Anastasia. And he's like, do I want that or do I want her? And while this is happening, they actually have ballerinas on stage performing an excerpt from Swan Lake, Mm -hmm. which was awesome. The lead in Swan Lake is a character called Odette, who was played by Lauren Teak. She was phenomenal. I have never seen live ballet. This is the closest I've gotten to yes. live ballet, but she was phenomenal. I could never imagine being up on point, which means like when ballerinas are dancing, when they're up on their tippy toes, that's mm-hmm. called on point. I couldn't imagine being able to put my whole body weight on that. But yeah. It was a really cool number because it mixes the dancing with a completely different stage show that's happening, mm-hmm. but it's like the show within a show, and I love things like that. And in Lauren deservedly so got one of the biggest ovations in the show when that segment was over mm-hmm. because it was a really complicated looking ballet number. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was Swan Lake, and I think they kind of added their own flair to it as well. So we get to the point in the show where Anya goes in to meet the Dowager Empress, and we don't see that conversation happen. Mm-hmm. We go to Lily and Vlad and Dimitri talking about, is this gonna happen? It doesn't. Won't even look at Anya. She says, leave. I'm done with these imposters. Get out of my sight. You're a fraud. Yeah. And which is when Anya really does realize that Vlad and Dimitri were using her. Because as much as we love to root for Dimitri and Vlad, they are con men. They're not. They're not great people. They're not great people. They turn into great people, Dimitri especially, through the show. But you're kind of like, okay, they were here for a very specific purpose and they could have used anyone. I'm just lucky that they picked me. Yeah. She gets really mad and Lily and the Dowager Empress actually show up at the place they're staying at and she goes, okay, you got like a couple minutes, convince me you're my granddaughter. And the entire time she's asking Anya these questions that she knows the other imposters were schooled on, like, Mm -hmm. oh, what was the name of your uncle or things like that. And so at one point Anya goes, why don't you want me to be her? And it's kind of when the floodgates open and... She realizes that, you know, she's kind of hardened her heart to all of this. And then at the end of the show, she pulls out this music box that the Dowager Empress gave her at the beginning of the show when little Anya and the Empress were seeing each other for the last time. Mm -hmm. And it plays the tune of Once Upon a December. So Anya pulls out the music box. And so the Dowager Empress realizes, oh my gosh, this is Anastasia. No one else would have this music box. Or know about it. Because it was the last thing she gave her granddaughter. Mm -hmm. But don't worry, guys, if you think we're glossing over one very important part of this show, Gleb hasn't disappeared. He's followed them to Paris with the orders of you need to kill this girl because either a she is Anastasia and we do not want a Romanoff living or b she's a super dangerous delusional woman who could pass off as Anastasia and we don't want people hoping for that we don't need her to be a problem for us Mm -hmm. so we get to the point in the show where Anya comes out if you've seen any posters for the show the beautiful red dress with the red tiara Mm -hmm. and everything's looking good she finds out Dimitri refused the reward money which is her key of, okay, he's the person I should be with. And the Dowager Empress actually agrees. She says, you don't find someone like that who would choose just doing the job for you Mm -hmm. over the money. And so we find out Dimitri's left the building. We don't know where he is. The press is outside waiting. Countess Lily is briefing them and Vlad saying, you know, we have a we have an announcement. The little princess will be coming out to say hi. Yeah. And so then it turns out that we're kind of waiting on this to happen. And so Anya's in a room by herself waiting to be presented to the press. And Gleb comes in. And yeah. he's like, 
all this time I knew there was something about you. It turns out you were a Romanov this entire time. And he's gonna kill her because he goes, my father did a brave and noble thing and I've been ordered to do the same thing. And she goes, okay, do it. Because yeah. I know you won't. So they have this kind of like back and face forth. off. Yeah. And so finally she like kneels down and she goes, fine, if you want to do it, do it. Prove that you're noble like your father. And he goes and he points the gun at her and he realizes I can't do it. Yeah. And in the background of this the whole time, you see the ensemble who play the Romanovs walking backwards with the people representing the Bolsheviks. Gleb's father and stuff pointing the guns. And at the point where they would have shot the Romanovs was right at the big point in the show, the music's building, this and that. When he points it at Anya, he drops the gun and everyone on the back just leaves because he didn't do the same thing his father did. He's made the choice not to murder Anya. Mm-hmm. And he said, my father did a brave and noble thing, but I guess I'm not my father. And so he just kind of like, okay, bye, going back to Russia. Yeah, she's like, he's like, long life comrade. She's like, hey, you two, peace out. I'm gonna go out here and not die. We end the show on the Dowager Empress coming out to make the announcement that there is no Anastasia. Anastasia is a myth. She no longer exists. Anastasia's dead and she will not hear of anyone else saying they are Anastasia. There is no reward. There's no reward. She's not going to give anything to anyone, so please stop trying. And you see, as she's talking to the press, Anya and Dimitri walking across the bridge named for Anastasia's grandfather, mm-hmm. and they're going off to live their long and happy life because I'm sure she can pawn that tiara for a pretty penny if they yes. get low on money. They never really establish, though, because, like, Anya's kind of saying goodbye to her grandmother and, like, you know, they're like, oh, we'll always be in each other's hearts. Like, they never really establish, though, are they going to be in touch at all? Like, or is she just kind of disappearing? Yeah, that's something I kind of would have liked to have. I mean, I guess you can't ask for the perfect happy ending of, oh, but we'll stay in touch. Yeah. You don't get that here in my delusional Anastasia-loving heart. I'm like, yes, they're gonna be best friends and pen pals and they're gonna visit each other still. Yeah. Even if she goes, oh, no, this is my buddy Anya, who's, you know, mysteriously 60 years younger than me and Dimitri who's also from Russia but uh, no relation to either of them and it's kind of the same thing with Gleb like they don't he just kind of is like okay I'm going back to Russia bye like yeah they don't really established he's probably not going to meet a very great end when he gets back and they find out he failed his mission yeah so I mean he probably could lie and be like I never found her and they're gonna be like well get back there and look but that's a, yeah that part is the only part of the show that I'm like okay that's a little too perfect Y'all already have a long show. We can take five more minutes to uh, add some stuff to it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Overall, though, like I said, I really enjoy this show. I enjoy a big Broadway production. Same. I love the big sets, the beautiful costumes, the big, huge numbers. It's one of those ones where in theater, the trend kind of goes away from it a little bit, where there's a big pose at the end of every number. Every number in this show, it's like, ta-da, and they pose. hold for the applause, yes. Mm -hmm. It's a big Broadway scale type show and it's one that I think a lot of people could enjoy because there's history in it. There's royalty. Like we said, like our mom loves anything to do with royalty and when the Tsarina walked on the stage, she turned to us and went, oh my god. Because like we said, her tiara is huge. Yeah. There's something for everybody in this show. Exactly. Like I think if we took our dad to it, he's huge on any kind of war or history. So I think he would even enjoy Mm -hmm. this show. That it's one that a lot of people would as well. I do too. And I think that costume-wise, it's probably going to be head-to-head with the show that we're seeing next, which is Wicked at Playhouse Square. Yes, we're seeing A couple seeing days after Christmas. Right after Christmas at Playhouse 
square, so it'll still be decorated for Christmas up there. It's one of the last shows before they get a little bit of a break to go mm-hmm. home for the holidays, so it's always exciting to see Wicked, especially because it's one of the first stops on their re-upped national tour. So that's it for today on the Twins on Tour podcast. You can follow us on Instagram at the.twins.on.tour1. Once again, totally not one that you're forced to pick. Yep. And on Twitter, at Twins on Tour 1. You can also like and follow us on Facebook. All of our episodes are available there to stream as well. We will see you right after Christmas. Bring in the new year with us, listening to some Wicked. I'm Julie Book. I'm Jenny Book Bradley. And this has been the, the Twins, Twins on, on Tour, Tour podcast. podcast. We did it at the same time. <laughs>